Welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly. And I'm Karen. We are a mother-daughter duo of mediums, medical intuitives, psychics, and energy healers offering personal sessions to clients all over the world. And this is our podcast. Coffee with the Sarlows is a platform to share the remarkable experiences of our clients and the messages that are channeled for them from the spirit world. These stories will make you laugh, some will make you cry, and some are certain to be an absolute butt-kicking with love. Our intent for this podcast is to gently and kindly challenge your belief systems, grow your empathy, and help you find pieces of your own self in each one of these individuals' stories. Karen, before we get into today's show, let's start things off with show notes. Yes, Kelly and I have personal practices channeling for local and international clients. If the stories in these shows is something you'd like to experience, you can request your own personal session through our website, bysarlo.com, or email us at info at We also have gift certificates available if you wish to gift this experience to someone anywhere in the world. We have a second podcast series called Sips of Sanity. This series is your emotional and intuitive intelligence toolkit. We pick one topic every month and provide you with healthy tools for critical thinking and communication. This series airs the first week of every month. The first show in every series is free and can be found on our website, your favorite podcast platform, or YouTube. The remaining four shows can be found at patreon.com forward slash by Sarlo. Patreon is our membership portal with a ton of monthly benefits for those of you seeking to grow your emotional and intuitive intelligence. Karen has a personal blog that explores the beauty and importance of intuitive gifts. There is a question and answer segment that addresses listeners' questions. As we mentioned, you can find the complete Sips of Sanity series here along with handy habit trackers and great reflective questions to help you get the most from the shows. We provide you with guided journeys and music to enrich that experience, and we're running an emotionally intelligent, interactive book club. And for the patrons in our top tier, we're giving away a free half-hour channeling session with one of us every month. If you're interested in joining us, head over to patreon.com forward slash by Sarlo. Now on to today's show. Good morning, Karen. Good morning. Let's do this. Okay. First of all, I love the colors on you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. This I is like, like my throw together outfit. Oh. Well, thrown together nicely. Thank you. Okay. So we're going to start the show off today with um, a story about medical intuitive. And I know that all of a sudden there's a lot more medical intuitive stories in the podcast shows. And that's a direct reflection on the fact that there just are a lot more people asking for medical intuitive Mm -hmm. in a lot more sessions. So where this was far more rare for you and I years ago, Mm -hmm. it has really changed. So this is a female. What would you like to call her? Hmm. Ruby. Oh, that's interesting. Simply to me because she's young. And oh, that's I, an old name. Yes. But I find it interesting because a lot of these old names are coming back around yes, again. Ma'am. And your generation is calling a lot of their babies the older names of like people that were my grandparents, really. Yeah. Okay, so that's just a little side story, but um, her name is Ruby. And um, Kelly, I, I would put her close to your age, like early early 30s. Oh, I'm getting early, guys. Great. <laughs> yeah, we're going to go backwards for yeah, you. 33 is now being rounded down. <laughs> yeah. for, for anyone living where they've eliminated pennies, that's not how it works. <laughs> that's true. So she... She says at the beginning of the session, before I even get through consent, I know that you do consent. I'm just giving you permission for everything. And I don't need to get through your consent process. I already know about it. I want medical intuitive. And I don't want you to tell me anything that I don't want to hear or anything that is negative or that might upset me in any way. That's that's how she opened the session. And I just listened. I like really deeply listened to her because I understand that that's anxiety. Mm-hmm. I understand then that when a person calls and starts off that way to say, I'm calling an intuitive and I want complete control over what the intuitive is going to do, I'm in conflict. 
I want some of the information that you could give me, but it can't upset me any more than I already am. And I'm off the charts. Mm -hmm. So I have empathy for that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just said to her, I'm really sorry that you have this much anxiety. And she said, oh, no, 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 I'm fine. She says, um, she says I, just, I just don't want to be told anything about my relationship that's going to upset me because I'm married and I, would, I don't want to be told anything about that either. She's just like layering in extra boundaries now. Mm-hmm. Okay, so anxiety is escalating as she's saying I'm fine. Yes. And it's escalating as I'm listening. Oh, and by the way, I normally say at the beginning of a session how the session is done. Because I think it's good for people to hear, oh, that's Parker. (laughs) I think it's good for people to hear that it's by telephone or it's by Zoom so I can see her responses. Because I know skeptics that might watch the show for a few minutes would think, oh, yeah, well, I guess if you're looking at her face to face, you could see the distress. Yes, this is a telephone call. So there is no, no ability to see her face-to-face whatsoever. Everybody knows what telephone means. Um, so I'm just listening. But the spirit guides came in really quickly, Kelly, and started showing me her brain and her central nervous system, like instantly to show me what appears to me to look similar to when you and I are doing medical intuitive readings and we see things like multiple sclerosis. Mm. When we see that the central nervous system actually is attacked, isn't functioning to its fullest capacity in some way because of a real, a real cause. Mm-hmm. Not just that she's got an anxiety issue or that she's creating it or other people are creating it for her but that there's also a source here within the body on on some level where she's dealing with some type of uh, imbalance and disease. Okay, I was going to say underlying. Yeah. So I'm thinking, holy crumb. So this is, as you said, this is Mm multi-layered. And the guide said to me, okay. And I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. Did she start the anxiety in her life with the people and the situations, or did it start that she was born with this disease? What comes first? And the guide said to me, oh, the people and the way that she's raised and the lack of emotional intelligence to resolve the issues with anxiety. And that's fair. If we don't have high enough emotional intelligence, then life is just going to present us with anxiety. And if we don't have the tools to resolve it, then the anxiety really doesn't ever go away because we have so few tools to deal with it. Mm-hmm. That that's, I liken it always to saying that if I'm going to be um, a carpenter or if I'm going to have to build a house and I've only got a nail and a hammer, and obviously I'm going to have to do certain things to build this house, but if I only have those two tools, then I'm going to have a lot of anxiety when I have to saw something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. I have a particular client that I see every now and then over the years, and she has very low emotional intelligence, if if any at all. And she will say to me, I'm so sick of hearing that people have anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. And she's a professional. She has a staff of people. And she says, I'm so sick of hearing this. It's such an excuse. Everyone says they're anxious or depressed if they don't want to do something. And I thought, wow, what an ignorant statement. Because, you know, she was going, well, some of us are just angry. Some people are just angry all the time. And I'm thinking, I can't even get through enough to her to say the anger is a form of anxiety. It's an expression of. So when you're talking about having no toolkit to express yourself healthily or how to access resources for different tools, then you're going to be paralyzed in different ways, and anger is just one of them. And anxiety and depression, whether they're separate or together, are a different expression and very valid. Yeah. So uh, thank you for adding all of that for the listeners. So the spirit guides continue to show me the physical body, And at the very same time that they're saying these things occur in the body, this is when disease, this is when imbalance starts to occur. 
Um, I'm watching different things that are happening in her life where her parents or schools or different different systems, and I'll just say systems, meaning a family system, an educational system, a societal system, a multimedia system, religious systems, all of them, have a little play in her life or and create big impacts. Mm-hmm. So she it's not necessarily, Kelly, like that she's raised in religion. She's not. Her parents are, though. So even though she can say, well, I wasn't raised in religion, uh, this didn't, religion didn't affect me, no, I have to back it up and say, but your parents were raised in religion. And she goes, well, yeah, that's true. But, but they didn't stay in it at the end. They didn't believe in it. They didn't go to synagogue. They didn't go to church. They didn't go to whatever, right? And I say, well, okay, <laughs> that, that's okay to say that. But the fact of it is, is that because they were raised in it, they got taught a belief system that is rooted within them and controls their behaviors, controls their beliefs, controls what they say, what they do. And so you still are impacted by that religion, even though it's fair to say you weren't raised in it, meaning that you didn't sit in the church, Mm -hmm. but you were still raised in it, honey. So that was like a really interesting conversation that came out at the beginning of this. And she goes, I really, I really don't get this because I'm trying to to give an affirmation at the very beginning mm-hmm. that the spirit guides are coming in and saying, okay, you've got anxiety, you've got depression. And she goes, I disagree with both. And the guides are trying to show her and prove to her a way that the anxiety and the depression really are fed to her right from the time she's born. And this comes from the fact that parents are raised in these systems that suppress them. And because they don't get taught emotional intelligence at all, she's not taught it either. And then she goes, okay, I, I, I think I'm starting to see a little bit of what you're saying. Um, and she says, but um, can we... And you can see where she gets kerfuffled in her thinking, and it's hard to follow one train of thought to another. So I just note on the page that she has difficulty being able to follow from one thought to another thought. And later in the session, that comes up as a sign that she does actually have some anxiety, that it's difficult for her to follow thoughts. Now, this is not ADD. This is not ADHD. This is directly related to the way that she's raised and the way that she's not given emotional intelligence, which could be things like time, to be able to sit and to process something properly. She's not given the right tools to ask the right questions. She's not taught to do any of those things. So there's, there's no skill set for the questions to come in and to be implemented and practiced. So the guys came in and asked her to verify this at the very beginning, and we struggled with that a little bit, but eventually we got around to that, and she was okay with it. And I said, you didn't let me go through the consent process. I said, you, you wanted to jump right into stuff by setting boundaries. And I said, I've seen some things in medical that I need to bring up. And I said, at least as far as I can see, because the guides are bringing it up. It's not my desire to bring it up. It's that when the guides show it, that's our responsibility. Mm-hmm. And I said, but you've, you've said that I have to stay in it, only things that are positive. She goes, well, go ahead and tell me what it is that they're showing you and I'll tell you. And I'll decide if I'm going to be fucking angry with you after. Yes. So I said to the guides, what do I do with that? Because maybe me personally, I might say, no, thanks. Yeah, that's a trap. That's a trap for me. I, I'm not interested in that. Have a good day. <laughs> Move on to something else. But I went back to the guides and I said, I don't know. You guys are in charge. What do I do with this? And they said, well, she's been diagnosed. And I'm like, she's been diagnosed? And she's telling me that she doesn't want... That's right, because she only wants you to say that she's been misdiagnosed. Mm. 
So she's trying to set the boundaries around by saying, do medical intuitive, but only if you're going to tell me that the doctors are wrong. If you aren't going to say that the doctors are wrong, I don't want to hear anything you have to say about this because that's all I want to believe. And here's where it gets fucked. Okay, okay. can I just address listeners for a second? Oh. Because if any of you are sitting there going, oh, I should book a medical, medical intuitive appointment, I have questions, and you are feeling the way that this woman mm. feels, I don't remember, Ruby, um, then a, a better way to start off your session would be to say, I have a question, yes or no, or can you confirm if my diagnosis is a misdiagnosis? Because if your boundary is I don't want to hear anything else, I don't want to hear anything quote-unquote negative, Ruby, you could have done a much better job getting what you need within your boundaries instead of com- completely making a mess of it. That's what this is all about. I'm trying. Oh, <laughs> man! Good. You know, if it was just me, we'd have a five minute podcast. <laughs> You're a very good storyteller to make it an actual show. <laughs> well, I appreciate back to you. <laughs> I appreciate the duality. That the listeners get, that they get to hear the story, they get to hear the anguish, which is part of our lives, the Mm -hmm. fear. And then you get to pull out what we do and how they can take better advantage of the gifts that we have been given to share with people. So I think this balance is phenomenal. Great. You always jump ahead. I'm not fired. (laughs) No. You always jump ahead. You wrap things up neat and tidy, which is fantastic for people that want to get to the point of something. So hopefully those listeners really glue onto what you say and appreciate and just and really want to hear yours. And I would imagine that there are listeners that like the story part mm-hmm. and that they think, I relate to some of that. I can relate to that fear. Or I see that fear in my mom or I see that in mm-hmm. this person. Um, and that's why they're setting a boundary around they don't want me to talk about it unless I agree that it's a misdiagnosis. It's the fear. Mm-hmm. So the spirit guides tell me that she has this fear that she wants to be told she's been misdiagnosed when in fact she's been diagnosed properly. And that it's what could happen in the session is that she could be given to, or the resources to, to be able to help her better. And that I'm, and I got to be careful here because I'm not trying to say her doctor didn't do a good job to give her certain resources. Well, we already know Ruby doesn't listen. That's perfect. So I don't, I, if you're really truly listening to this show, I don't think anyone's going to look at pegging the doctor for, for not delivering well. Yeah, I, I agree with you. But I think that some people don't have healthy physicians. Absolutely. And they might be skeptical that Ruby's doctor did do their job. So I want to point out that her, her physician did mm-hmm. and was able to say, you could do these, these things. We could set up these appointments for you. This is important. Her physician is even doubling down on the tests to make sure that this is an accurate diagnosis. Good. Um, so I just repeated that to her. I said, you have a very conscientious doctor that cares very much about you, is running double the tests. Um, just, just dotting the I's and crossing the T's for you is even willing to do this on a regular basis is researching for you to make sure that if there are any new protocols or any new Mm -hmm. things or ways that you can separate the diagnosis to say, Oh, maybe it is misdiagnosed. Now we can separate. And she went, well, hold up. What do you mean by that? And I said, I'm being told that the diagnosis that you have is eventually in years going to be separated so that it isn't all under one branch of something, that they're now going to have different classifications within it and different drugs that particularly address each of those little areas so that your relief is very good. I think it's important to note here that we have actually changed the diagnosis for the sake of the story. Oh, I, and I'm saying that on purpose, not oh, yes. to make, not to right make people guess and wonder. That's not the point. We're, like the general um, thing that we're trying to get across right now is how this, how her disease manifested, mm-hmm. and we'll get into that. But I think for anyone listening who has MS or mm-hmm. who has someone who is suffering with MS, we don't want you to think, oh my goodness, there's stuff coming out you know, for this particular thing, I'm going to have relief. I, I think that's a responsible thing to note. Mm-hmm. We have changed not just the name, but the actual 
uh, illness as well. Uh, I think any regular listener knows that we change that unless the client has given their name, is interviewed, and yep. is on the show. Yeah, I just think that we, we do a great job of saying that we change the name. Uh, we don't always change the disease. Um, that's true. For the most part, I try to because I don't want anybody to be identified. Mm -hmm. They've given permission for me to share the information, but not ever to say their name or in any way to identify them. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you for clarifying that. So her, her spirit guides come in to say, we want her to know the diagnosis is correct today. We want her to be able to understand that there are more ways outside of what the physician has offered her for her to be able to deal with what she's going through and because there's different facets of it. And that's not the physician's job. It's, it's the physician's job to say, hey, you could go to therapy. Hey, you could do such and such. But to be more specific as to what the guides want to give her in regards to it, that would be the therapist's job or that would be someone else's or for her to be able to read a book or listen to podcasts and educate herself about other things. So she said to me, um, I think I'm okay with you talking a little bit about this. And this is important because we want the client to feel that they're still in control as to when they're making the change that I said no, that I am now saying yes, and I'm in control. Oh, yeah. And we do a hell of a lot of check-ins. Yeah. And, and sometimes the check-in is not just saying, are you okay if I continue? Have I crossed any boundaries? May I? It's also, is, are you comfortable with this information? It's also in the way that the information is said. It's also in the way that we listen. Mm -hmm. There are tons of ways to engage and do check-ins other than just making one basic statement, have I crossed your boundaries? Mm -hmm. And I, That's a question. Oh, pardon me. <laughs> right. So thanks, Kelly. Yeah. So I checked in with her again and I said, Ruby, I said, the guides want to tell you it's the proper diagnosis. There will be changes in the future, especially in your lifetime, because I'm being told you're in your early 30s. And I said, would that be correct? And she said, I am. And I said, okay, they're saying that then over the decades, you're, you're going to have um, a more specific diagnosis within it that's going to allow you to take a more specific medication. And she goes, no, because I'm not taking any medications. And I said, that's your choice. And I can't negate that you have your right to your free will. My job is that I'm supposed to channel the spirit guides and tell you from the spirit world and answer those questions or offer whatever they want to say if you're open to it. And they're saying this will be available to you. That's right. Not that you have to take it, but that this is something that will become available to you. So I asked her to pause for a second because the guide said to me, she has a belief system that is interfering. Can we address it with her? And I said, well, you go ahead, tell me and I'll bring it up. And they said, well, she has been reading, listening in a variety of ways where she's believing now that whatever she thinks, she's creating. So she believes that if she has thoughts around the disease, if she thinks about it at all, if she agrees to the medication, she's creating the disease. So if she gives in to this medication, she's the one responsible for believing she has. For believing that she has it to begin with. And creating it. So she can't take the drug because it will mean that she has to admit that she's thought about the disease. Okay, so for anyone listening, what that summary is, is if I live in denial, it doesn't exist. Yes. Tell me how healthy that thought is. And that's what she's doing. That's what she's living right now. That's what I just spelled out. Right. That's why I said this is the summary. <laughs> Stay with me. Oh my God, Kelly, if you knew all the information still in my brain trying to come out in this session with this woman... It, it was a very difficult, difficult session. Mm -hmm. um, but So thank you for keeping me clear today so that I can get the story out and you can have well, it make at, sense for people. At the very least, I'm keeping the listeners clear. <laughs> yes. Not sure about you. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. So they're talking about this belief system that she believes th that if she's got these uh, vision boards of her running, 
she's got vision boards of her doing track and field, which she's never done in her life, but she's got pictures of track and field up because it's healthy, muscled bodies that are in, you know, like high athletes. Mm-hmm. That if she believes, you know, she wants to go sailing in the future, which she doesn't own a boat and she doesn't ha- know how to buy this boat with any finances, but she's got a boat where healthy people are sailing and they're holding on to the sails and they're strong. She's got all of these visions of physically strong people that are doing all kinds of things she really has no desire to do, but kind of in the sense that they're strong and they're muscled, right? She wants to be able. Yes. So she's finding anything she can visualize where people are able to do things she doesn't want to lose the ability to do. And so if she does anything in the opposite direction, then she believes that she's feeding the diagnosis, the disease that's in her body. Okay. Yeah. So the guides show me these vision boards and they're like, you need to talk to her about these vision boards. This is going to prohibit her from actually getting the help she wants. And I said, what other kind of help has she been suggested to get? And they went, her physician told her to see a nutritionist and to find a nutritionist specialist Mm -hmm. with her particular disease. This physician has given her names of a variety of people in her community and even people on the internet that Mm -hmm. have like podcasts and do shows to educate people about this disease and people living with the disease Mm -hmm. who have said, I've changed my diet. I've changed the way that I eat, the way that I exercise. I've changed all these things in my life. And I'm really turning around my diagnosis. I still have it, but I'm living with it in a much healthier way. She doesn't want that because it means that she has to admit that she's got the disease. Ruby then asks me if I can simply address what she can do. So she really, like, she just takes the reins and she says, okay, she says, um, then can you just tell me what the guides want me to know so that I can have better health? And she tries to like take a bunch of the information and put it over here. And I'm just going to focus on what I can put into my mind because I just want to go forward. And the guides come back and say, number one, you can take down all the vision boards. And there's like this I don't know how to word what happened on the other end of the phone, so I, maybe I won't say a whole lot about it. I'm not certain what she did. There was just sort of some noise on the other end. And the I mean stuff. her, yes. <laughs> but I don't know quite how to do that because she's really tied into these ideas, right? And the guides um, don't really want to go into explaining to her that if she doesn't actually address the disease she has something that can get worse and worse. So what do they do if she's not going to even allow that kind of conversation um, around if you choose to ignore all of this and it gets worse, then are you at what point along the road of worse are you going to call your belief system the bullshit that it is? And that this is something within you that you have to decide what you're going to believe, not just what other people put in books and throw at you. This is like really interesting because, and I hope I can articulate this well for people. For myself, I have hired a coach for nutrition and fitness because I want the exact same things that Ruby does. Mm. The tool is the fucking same. But it's not denial. This literally is how to move forward. So whether or not there's mm-hmm. a diagnosis, the resource, the tool is the same. It's the intention of health, the intention of forward. She's literally taking a negative belief or an unhealthy belief, let's say, and negating a good tool about what she wants because she, she calls it acknowledging the disease. And that's where she's, that's what I'm trying to say is that's where her focus is. That is so backwards. Yes. Instead of what you said, where the focus could just be flipped, the switch could be flipped to if we focus on your health, then as you said, the very same people, the very same tools could come in and you could use all of those, implement them to get as healthy as you can be, which is the goal. It's just that now 
these books and these teachings have have come in somehow into her life where she's putting a focus on those, but it's become negative. Mm-hmm. So the guide spent the hour trying to get that through to her. Oh, that's exhausting. We did a whole hour on this of trying to illustrate to her where the guides would come in and give a, this these little validations of, well... And exactly what you said, but I don't need to go through every validation and every little thing that they tried to say to her. And how very much her partner is doing what you're trying to do. That she has a partner that's trying to say, hey, um, a walk is a walk. Um, Eating well is eating well. And is trying to point that out. But she goes back and holds on to, I'm going to call it this... um, negative information and and unhealthy I'm going to let's call it unhealthy thoughts and unhealthy beliefs. She keeps holding on to those and she's got people around her that are trying to shake it like her physician. You like you literally have to do those things anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So her partner is a clusterfuck in that he can do something like that that's healthy and positive and I'll just say healthy again where he can make those statements and not get hung up in her vision boards, not participate in doing them, but recognize that there are some good things that can come out of that. So she looks at the vision board and she wants to be as healthy as possible. How do you get there? That's fine. But there are so many other unhealthy aspects of the relationship with him. That that we're not supposed to be talking about, if I remember the consent. Yeah, that... Um, that that's where the next part of the session comes in. So I have to have a conversation with her to say, you've called and you've asked for medical intuitive. It is tied into the way you were raised. It's tied into the stress that you've had since you were born. Um, But it's also tied into the stress that you're living in on a day-to-day basis with your partner. And you... There's a pause here where she really struggles within herself to say, am I going to go down that road? I've already set the boundary and I've told her I don't want to. I've told her I don't want to know anything negative about what I've been, this diagnosis I've been given. And she's already crossed that boundary, so to speak, because you have to remember, this is, this is um, back and forth about she gives me a little bit in the conversation to cross the boundary. She'll listen to something, and then she wants to put the boundary back in again. I, I want to correct your language and say move the boundary. Because oh, that's just what I was going to say, but okay, thanks. Okay, well, I, I'm saying it faster, I think, because at each point, you checked in to say, am I allowed to say something? Am I allowed to say something? Because you knew it was a boundary. So you're asking permission to move it, which is not crossing it. That's important for me to get across as the, uh, the other professional in this business because yeah. I know you don't cross them. Yeah, and then she invites the conversation. She allows it, and then I go to give the answer. Sometimes she's okay, mm-hmm. and sometimes she comes right back in, and it's like I said I didn't want to talk about that. And so she, this is like, it's, I, I picture it as a dance where it's just really fine-tuned constantly. And part of me as a human, can really empathize with how much anxiety she's been in her entire life. Mm -hmm. And part of me is just looking at the guides. Oh, my God, I cannot take my eyes off the guides. I cannot stop hearing them for a split second because I have to repeat what they say word for word. Mm -hmm. And I know you and I say that we do that all the time. This particular podcast will illustrate to people how very much you and I regurgitate word for word what the guides say. Yeah, yesterday I did a, a session for a woman and they, the guides specifically said, use this word, not this one. Mm. And then tell her that you did this on purpose. We told you not to use this word because we knew it would piss her off and she'd shut down. And she said to me, you're so right. I would have gone into a rage. So you're saying it's this word. And I said, yes, I am. It, it's it's fun in terms of the relationship with the guides. It is not fun with the clients until they're able to actually um, come to this place of, I'll say humility, to say, you're right, I would have behaved that way and it would have been poor. 
Now, I don't think this Ruby has that much emotional intelligence, so carry on. I love listening to how you wrap it up and how you explain it to people. And I'm in awe because these are my happy dances. Mm. The moments in the podcast where you explain what we do and how we do it and why and how in tune it is with the spirit world is really defining and explaining why I dance. Mm. And this morning, right before taping this podcast show, what did I yell at you from the kitchen? Your dad came in. To dance. My dad, who's been passed for 20 years, came into the kitchen and I put some Marvin Gaye music on this morning and let's get it on. And well, that's not a good one. That's not a good one to dance to. <laughs> I just realized. Well, it happened. It wasn't like you planned it. I do like the song. I'm just saying there's a good beat. But my dad came into the kitchen and danced with me. So I dance. And I do that because of the relationship that we have, the spirit world that you've described perfectly. That's the point there. Okay, so back into the session with Ruby. The spirit guides then start showing me the relationship that she has with her partner. And she has set a boundary around this, that if I don't just say things that are positive about it, that I'm not allowed to bring it up. So then I ask the guides, you're like, why are you showing me this? Because what they're showing me is nothing positive, nothing at all. And so I'm in complete conflict I've got the spirit guides knowing exactly what the human has said. There's a full boundary. Don't want to talk about it. And the spirit guides were on the entire show Mm -hmm. showing me all this information in great detail, giving me lists of things. Conversations. (laughs) Everything. Mm -hmm. And I look at the spirit guides and I'm like, what's up? Like, this is a conflict. What am I supposed to do with this? So they said, well... We know that she's going to allow you to change the boundary. And I'm like, how? Like, how is that even going to happen? So they said, well, we want you to approach the fact that she has anxiety and that anxiety makes her disease worse and that it can bring on flare-ups, that it can bring on where she has to rest more, et cetera, et cetera. And that she, because she knows this, her physician has told her that there is a component here that when anxiety increases, her symptoms can increase. And we, when you draw the parallel again, then we want you to bring up the fact that a lot of her anxiety is on an hour to hour basis. And I'm like, hour to hour, that's a lot. And they said, yes, it's hour to hour. And sometimes it's even many times within an hour. We're in COVID. And now her and her husband are in the same environment. They have two different jobs, but they have to be in the same home to do them. And prior to that, they were both able to go to their own jobs all day. And she had a reprieve from his behavior. So somebody that's listening to this might go, well, I have a big enough house. I don't have to see my husband. We can work on two different floors. They're in an apartment. They're not in a home. So their ability to get away from each other, to go to the washroom, to go to the kitchen is always in a very confined area. I wouldn't even say it's an issue of space. Like, I mean, it can be, but if you've got a partner who's unhealthy enough and is seeking to cause you distress, they'll find you. Oh, that's such a good statement. Your house can be huge. Yeah. You can have two fucking homes. Like, they'll still find you. Yeah. Well pointed out, Kelly. Tech, easy. Right. I can pester my partner all day if I want to. Right. (laughs) Yes, they're called cell phones. Yeah, double text. Oh my goodness. Yeah, okay. That can cause stress, absolutely. Yeah, I forget stuff like that because I don't have that kind of life. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Super happy for you. (laughs) I'm just teasing. So the guides asked me to bring up this whole COVID situation, working at home with her spouse. Could we go there? Could we talk about her stress levels and that they've intensified since COVID and that she thinks that the stress is because of COVID? And let's let's say it is to some degree because we don't want to take away that. Mm-hmm. That is a stress. But that, in fact, what's really made this a lot worse where she's had to see her doctor where it got pushed to that they ran enough tests to run a diagnosis. 
has to do with the fact that her stress levels because of him have gone through the roof. And she agreed. Oh, so she actually let you say all of this. Yeah. I, I told her that the guides wanted to approach the relationship and that while she wanted it to stay in a healthy way, the conversation with the spirit guides, that they felt... No, that- no, no. Positive. Positive only. Healthy is not avoidance. Right. Thanks, Kelly. That they felt that it was a huge issue that contributed to her getting the diagnosis to begin with, and could she validate that? And then she paused, she thought about it, and she went, yeah, okay. And I said, well, they would like to speak to you about the behavior and the cycles that are going on that are causing your rumination. And she goes, well, what's rumination? So once I explained what rumination is to her. I would like to point out, Ruby asked a great question. Because mm-hmm. we've, been, we've been pointing out where she's created a lot of like um, situations of you being stymied. This is actually a good question. Yeah. So kudos to her progress. Yeah. So she asked me to explain that, and I did. And then I took a leap, and I asked her if I could explain one more term to her. And I know everybody knows the term by now. But I said, could I explain cognitive dissonance to you? Have you ever heard of it? And she goes, no, I haven't. And because it's a general word she's never heard, it was a door in to explain something. And which I do think in terms of my own personal intelligence, I'm proud of myself. Mm -hmm. Proud of myself because I bothered to learn about this stuff. But also that when the guides show me the type of relationship that she has, that I'm smart enough and educated enough now to know that she has to have cognitive dissonance to be in that. And that that's what's contributing to the rumination. Mm -hmm. And that's what's contributing to her cycles and her behaviors. And to why she is afraid of dealing with anything. Because she, what the guides want is to pull her out of his game playing and his monopolizing her thinking and her patterns and her behaviors and into her own reality and to understand that what she's currently doing that's creating all the stress is that she's leaving her own reality where it can be healthy. Okay. So for anyone who has not listened to our show on cognitive dissonance, I would highly encourage you to go back to the website um, or to your podcast platform and look at March 2021, the very first show of Sips of Sanity, which will be available where coffee is because that's where the free shows come out. We did that whole show on defining cognitive dissonance and narcissism. So this may be where you choose to hit pause, go get your education and come back mm-hmm. or bookmark it and do it later. Yeah. So she allowed me, I think partly because it was sa- she felt safe that this was going to be a word definition, like she's going to read a definition mm-hmm. from a dictionary. I'm safe. But as I got into it, she said, could you give me examples? Which was mm, interesting. Nice little door. It, yes. And the guides were like, well done, Karen. Keep going, girl. So then I'm now allowed to use all the reels and all the information that they're showing me where he's creating this dissonance within her. And the cycles that she goes into that cause all the rumination. And I want to point out that this now gets into the 15 forms of verbal abuse. Mm -hmm. And what came of Ruby's session is that as I start to explain that he's withholding, and she goes, withholding like when? Like she says, what do you mean? She starts to ask the questions. Mm -hmm. So Ruby starts to open her own doors. Mm -hmm. And this is something that his withholding did the exact opposite of. He shut doors. So I said, well, the guide showed me, for example, that when you got diagnosed or when you have um, a flare-up, you approach him and you tell him to communicate. So you think, I'm going to be healthy, I'm going to let him know how I'm feeling, I'm going to let him know, or I'm going to, I, I'm going to tell him what the diagnosis is. He doesn't even say to her when she comes back from the doctor, how did it go? So she comes in to say, well, this is what happened at my doctor's appointment today, and he has absolutely no response. He offers nothing to her, and she has to ask for a response. That's disgusting. 
And yes, and but the guides come in at that, or no, pardon me, Kelly, not but, the guides come in at that point and explain to her that that's called withholding. They explain to her what his behaviors are and what they're called and that they're forms of verbal abuse. And I'm delighted to be able to see them specifically so that I can point them out to her that this is what he did because now all she's responsible to do is to say yes or no, that's correct. Mm -hmm. Which puts her into a position of, geez, it's not really crossing a boundary now. She's just explaining something that factually happened. Kind of like your diagnosis. Yeah. Yeah. So then this one particular example here, or, or through several of them, Kelly, the guides show where it's diverting, countering. Um, Pretty much everything except overt, like, abusive anger. Yeah. And I was, I was going to list some of them because they were actually listed for her. So the blocking, diverting, minim- minimalizing, tr- pardon me, trivializing, um, name-calling. And I don't mean name-calling. Like, I, yes, I'm going to say it's all name-calling because I don't want to split hairs about what name-calling is. It's all the same. Yeah, and I'm not even going to bother using some of the words I was going to to illustrate the difference, but the guides are going don't because it's all the same. Yeah. Not to mention, that's not what the show's about today. We're not, yeah. we're not here today to specifically tell you what the 15 forms are. You can certainly do your research, uh, and we have a whole other platform to do that for you. This is about the connection between how you're treated, how you're spoken to, and what manifests in your body because of the stress. Yes, So they show how his behavior, she'll approach to be open and he'll go into any of those forms of abuse. So I picked a withholding because that's his main one. And I said, oh, I said he goes into the withholding because it gives him control over you. So he's in a control over, you're in a control under. That, that, those phrases were the game changer in our entire session. Mm -hmm. And she went, what? And I said, well, his withholding is a control over you. And she goes, could you explain how? And I replied, yes, I can. But Patricia Evans in the verbally abusive relationship can do a far better job than I ever will. I am not qualified to teach you that in that regard. You Like I can read the book with you. There's all kinds of things I can do to support that. I can give you the examples of it. But the book itself is going to give you so much information and it will disentangle the confabulation that you've got going on in your mind. The clusterfuck. And she goes, okay, she goes, I like how you're calling my confusion a clusterfuck. She goes, it just helps me see my confusion in a more accurate way. I like your word better. Okay, so you can see that she's making her steps to do some growth. You can see that she's trying to put some things together. And I said, I want to explain something to you that the guides have explained to me, and I'm just reiterating it for you. They show when you want to connect to him that he does the forms of verbal abuse to create disconnection. And she goes, wow, that is an interesting way to word his behavior. Thank you. Is that our first thank you? Mm -hmm. Okay. And I said, so he does the disconnection and you can come right back in and try harder, try harder, try harder. So you're like that little, you might as well put your um, army helmet on and you might as well put your fatigues on and get your little gun out and all your ammunition and up the hill you go. And she she just kind of laughed at that. But I said, really? I said, it's like you're in war. Mm -hmm. And she goes, oh my God, Karen. And I said, well, if you can see yourself like in those little army fatigues, then perhaps the next time you approach him to connect to him and you don't put on any of your army fatigues, you just stand there saying, I'm trying to connect to you. You take a step closer to me this time. It's your job to lean into me. Because what he's doing is he leans back out, disengaged, closes the door, and now you're full bore trying to knock down that door to get in. And he's just basically saying no. And she goes, how does he say no to me? And now she's testing me 
But I think she's also looking for her validations and she's trying to disentangle all the bullshit. Mm -hmm. And she's looking for her aha moments of, I knew it. Mm -hmm. And so the guides go, go ahead, tell her, tell her how that little shit is doing this to her. And so I literally describe how he further shuts down, um, walks away, closes the door, um, turns his back, stares at her with blind looks on, on his face, like just deer in the headlight or disdain, but any kind of facial expression that is negative or unhealthy, let's call it unhealthy, as opposed to any active listening skills where he's showing empathy or any kind of engagement. This was such a good moment in our session mm -hmm. because this next part of the conversation with her is where she realizes that she has a right to having a partner who can actively listen. She has a right. And at this point, Kelly, we go into active listening skills. We actually talk about them. So that she can just sit there and understand that this is healthiness. And these are the words that are used frequently in her session. Healthy, unhealthy. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what our whole business is about. And for anyone who wants the active listening skills, who's like, well, I, I think I have that right. Uh, Sips of Sanity that just came out this month in May, it, that's completely on active listening. Mm -hmm. So she listens to the qualities of what an active listener does, and she recognizes that her partner does not give her any of this. And... The spirit guides come through and tell her that he knows better. He knows he can. He gives them to other people. And there is another defining moment in our session when she's in this clusterfuck. We call it the cognitive dissonance, where she now understands that he is capable of doing it. She believes that he just can't. So this is where she puts on all her military gear to go in and I got to get all, I've got to find these cognitive or uh, pardon me, I have to find these active listening skills. I have to demand them. I have to fight for them where she believes if he's my husband and he loves me, then he's going to give me these things. And he says, fight for it. And that's their engagement. Mm-hmm. That's the core basics of their relationship, of their unhealthy relationship, is this whole thing that just keeps spiraling. So then the next little piece in her session goes to the fact that once that little interaction is over and she is to take off her battle fatigues, then she goes into the ruminating and the anxiety, the questioning, the cognitive dissonance of... If he loves me, why wouldn't he do these things for me? Why do I have to fight for them? Why does he give them to me on occasion? Why isn't this consistent? Why do I see him doing this for his mom and his friends, but not for me? And the guides point out all of these things to her and say that a healthy partner would never, never withhold any of that from her, would give that to her from the pure desire to connect from the intention of this is what love is. And the fact that on a day-to-day -day basis, an hour-to-hour -hour basis, her body is in this army fatigue mode of fight. Even when she's working and he's in his own room or in the kitchen making tea or having his lunch, it doesn't matter it is in a constant battle because she knows it's what's up next. Mm -hmm. And then she goes, well, it's not. And I said, oh, no, he does throw you crumbs. And she goes, oh, go on, what's crumbs? And then the guides go on to show where he will throw crumbs, but they're typically crumbs he likes. So she goes, oh, I don't know what that means. And I said, well, if you ask him to go for a bike ride, he'll go with you. He'll say yes because he's a cyclist. So it's in it for him to go for the bike ride. If he didn't want to cycle and wasn't keen on it, he wouldn't do it. He doesn't do other things for you. He doesn't investigate even new things unless they're his idea. 
So I said, so you've, in, you've stepped into a relationship that, where the person has no intention to actually partner. He'll pay half his bills. He'll pay half his groceries, et cetera, et cetera. He'll watch a show with you if he wants to watch it anyway. But you don't have somebody that's partnering. So you're in a constant state of stress, mm-hmm. even when he's not around, because that's what's, that is, this is your norm. And as a result your body is in this constant state and it just gets higher, lower, higher, lower, higher, but it never, it never goes away. And you can never anticipate ever or look forward with hope to the day that it will. And it it is your lack of hope in the relationship that drives those fucked up vision boards. And she went, what? I said, it's correlation. She goes, okay. Now, I can say in the story today that her response is okay because she's starting to piece it together. I can't say to people that she's definitely going to go out and take down those vision boards and really get through this now. Mm -hmm. But she's being given the tools now. She's got an opportunity to know she does have healthy hope because she will have healthy tools. And those two things, healthy tools and healthy hope, go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. If you think that you hope for change in somebody and there are no healthy tools, you're in cognitive dissonance. You're in what we call the clusterfuck. Mm -hmm. You're in entrapment. And so the spirit guides took this opportunity where a client had come in and fully shut all these doors And somehow Kelly managed to open all those doors. And I'm not saying I could ever do it again. I'm just saying that in some way, between my personality, your personality, and what the spirit guides are able to show us, to prove the examples, the education, there's a combination of so many things that have to all lay in place perfectly for somebody like Ruby. Mm -hmm. I know for like, I'm going to speak on both of our behalfs because I know this happens to you. Like the guides will give you the message and they'll also say, change your face, change your tone, sit up. Like to us. Oh yeah. Where, you know, we might deliver a really fun message where we're giggling with the client and then all of a sudden they're saying, sit up, sit forward and keep your eyes on them. Drop your tone. And it's just like, oh, okay. Because of the way the client needs to receive it in order to be okay with it. Yeah, and we have to be able to be ourselves in one moment and then snap right out of it and listen to what the guys are saying and get right into the exact body position, as you're saying, the exact amount of energy, the exact emotion, or even like you're saying, the facial, everything. It has to be right on cue because the guides know what that client can take and what they can't. And that's when the guides are channeling their own information, that's not even considering what medium does to us, where we actually have to abandon the body and the mind to be able to actually start doing the nuances of the person with their face and their, their, the way they talk with their hands. That's consistent with the person we're actually channeling who's died. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's a lot of, um, I'll call it in and out that we experience Mm. of our own bodies of taking, taking direction and then I hate this term, but I'll say going with the flow of, of who we're channeling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the last thing that the guides did with Ruby on this day was say to her that after this occurs and she goes into her rumination, that this is when she spins out in trying to figure out how to approach this in a million ways that she's already tried. And remember the little army fatigue guy and how fatiguing that, what that fatigue causes her to be that person and how that person is directly related to how often the disease flares up in her. Mm-hmm. And that there's, that, that, that is directly related and that she needs to know that she needs to see it. And that, thank God, North American medicine now understands that connection and is willing to discuss it. Yeah, that's your whole, well, not your whole, I shouldn't say that. 
I don't want to do extremes here. That is part of the biopsychosocial model of how the body's affected by these things. And you, you know, if you want to visualize it, if she's operating at a four out of 10 energy and her organs are operating at a four out of 10, then each stressor that comes into her life basically says to each organ, let's suppress you, let's suppress you, let's knock you down to a three. And then the stressor of her, her work or her partner says, Kate, we're going to make you a two or a one. Flare up, flare up, flare up. Mm-hmm. Then they talked about the fact that once she gets into the rumination and she's mad and she's trying to sort through it, and then she goes into shame. Mm-hmm. Her next step is to go into shame and guilt. Oh, and she does things like, um, well, um, other people don't have partners. Other people don't have an apartment. Other people don't. And she goes into all Counter blessings. Oh, she goes right from shame. And it's a, a really fast, slippery slope now. To perfectly hidden depression. You got it. Into I should be grateful. I'm great. I should be grateful. I am grateful. I'm super grateful. Um, oh my God, I can't believe how grateful. And you want to go for a bike ride? And so he knows that if he just gives her a period of time, so now his, his withholding coincides, I have to withhold while she gets through her cycle. And I have to monitor her body language and her looks and her behaviors and her, all oh, just the, her whole energy to make sure that I wait for her to go through all of that. I can't catch her while she's still in the first stage. I got to wait till she's in her shame. I got to wait till she's in her super gratitude because then she's going to do what I want to do. And she's going to come out and she's going to feed my ego. So she is creating the narcissist. And she was like, what? And I said, you are creating the narcissist. You are you are literally, you're creating the beast. Feeding it. You're, you're the lifeline. You got it. And I said, and that goes directly related to that whole little cycle that you go through that he's watching, waiting for, and now your energies are just, you're always reading each other's energies here because your timing has to be perfect. So if you stay in your anger, you know, a, an hour longer, he has to withhold an hour longer. So this is a gorgeous little dance that just has to go back and forth where you both monitor. And he, he's, you've got to watch him. Then he's got to watch you. It's master manipulation. Oh, it's unbelievable. It's unfreaking believable. And in the midst of all of that is her entire dance with her disease. Mm-hmm. And I think she got it. Beautiful. I think she started to understand, oh my God, I go through this by the hour. And I'm like, you do. I can go through this several times in one morning. You can. And it's worse on the weekends because we don't have the job. You got it. Mm -hmm. And she says, and then I see on certain weekends where I stay in avoidance and I just stay in feeding the beast. And I'm like, you got it. And she goes, and then after that, I'll have a really bad day that Monday morning where I really can't get my job done and I have to stay in bed because I'm in a flare-up and then I have to work Monday night and on Monday night when he's already put his job in while I'm working and trying to play catch-up, he goes out and has fun. Yes. And I sa- she goes, this is horrid. Yes. And I said, well, it's horrid. And I said, if you think it's bad now, you're only 33 or 31 or whatever, early 30s, This is going to get a whole lot worse over the next generations, and you go into middle age and then older age. Mm -hmm. I said, this is not going to get better for you. This is going to get a lot worse. And he has power over. You are in power under. So if you ask him to go to therapy, he has no interest because he's in power over. Mm -hmm. Why would he want to give that up? And you have already given him power over and fed that. So he's only going to get angry if you say, go to therapy. And she goes, oh, that was the boundary. I didn't want you to say that I should go to, that we have to go to therapy because he's already said no. So that's what drove the session at the beginning around nothing negative, nothing about my marriage, nothing about my health, nothing. And so it took us this entire hour for it to come to the fact that his power over 
was what was driving also our entire session Mm -hmm. and where he wasn't even present in it, but he was controlling what she was willing to listen to from her own spirit. Mm -hmm. That's the degree and level of control he exerts over her. And that's exactly what I said to her. Well, Ruby, good on you. Yeah, she did a lot of work. In an hour. In one hour. She I, t- I think it's always good to stress that, that that was one hour. Mm-hmm. I tell you, Kelly, the spirit guides did a ton of work. Mm-hmm. Because if people could only see or fully understand how they have to put all those video clips together, if you want to call it that, how they have to download all that information for us to know, for us to feel, for us to see and hear and understand and be able to put it through your filters as Kelly Sarlo and my filters as Karen Sarlo, mm-hmm. and how then we have to implement all of that and figure out how to say it just so, so that we don't hit any of the client's, in this case, Ruby's triggers, where she sabotages everything that this, her spirit wanted to share with her to save her own life. Mm-hmm. They're not concerned about the marriage, they're concerned about life. Because without her having her own life, she doesn't have an opportunity to be in a relationship that's called marriage. Mm -hmm. They're not worried about what the relationship is going to be. They're worried about her very very life force that's depleting. Mm -hmm. Well done. Thank you. Mm -hmm. It was a ton of work. So I know at the end of sessions, you often say to me, thank you. And I say, oh, you're welcome. And, and I do feel it. Today, I really want to say that I can absorb that. Mm-hmm. Because I really felt like I worked every single second of every single minute. Mm-hmm. And I know the guides did. And I clearly know now, so did Ruby. As much as she didn't want to at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I want to say thank you to you before you say the goodbyes to everybody today on this beautiful Saturday morning, because you provided great education and tremendous insight as to how the guides work and how you and I work. And we can't speak for a lot of other intuitives. We can Mm -hmm. only speak for ourselves. We're never speaking for others. But I want to say thank you for doing that because it allows people to connect to you and I. It allows them to understand what we do. To some degree. <laughs> That's fair. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I appreciate that degree, even if it's five degrees. Mm-hmm. If you have questions or comments about today's show, you can email us at info at No matter where you've tuned in from, thank you for joining us. Please make sure to subscribe and join us next Saturday for a brand new show.